Good evening, and welcome, one and all, once again to Follow Up Friday. Today's podcast brought to you by Equine Devils Advocate. Well, my God, I can think of a few very choice words for the weather this week. Perhaps I'd best keep them to myself, lest I offend some delicate young ears. But let me not sound ungrateful, as there was one nice day, and after all, it is March, and we do have more light of an evening, which always makes us feel better, particularly around horses. Now, today's topic: emotions in lessons and in riding in general, keeping them under wraps, not being at all beholden to them. Or having learnt to control them, or them taking over and having complete free reign. It is true, people. I do throw out some rather philosophical questions, and you may say, "Oh my good God, do shut up!" Riding is supposed to be considered a jolly, relaxing, fun, and trouble-free pastime, which, of course, it can be. And the chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, that is not what is happening for you. But despite this, the fact that it can be fun and trouble-free and all jolly, these issues that I talk about are very, very real and phenomenally frequent. I don't think. Just in my world, and they do leap to the foreground in my life with absolute regularity. So, we here at Equine Devils Advocate think these topics do warrant some discussion and some openness. As we say, discussion is healthy; it's good for the mind, and it's so beneficial to learning. Knowledge. And experiences we feel are definitely best shared, whether they just rekindle wonderful memories from our innocent beginnings, or they actually further our development in our individual riding journeys. There is so much value in sharing. Now, for today's topic, correspondence is brief, which is fine, and of course, as I said earlier on. If you are saying, "Oh goodness, can we please talk about something light-hearted and easy?" Should you wish to discuss something entirely along those lines, or just share your experiences that you may think to be of benefit to others, feel free. It's fine. www. equinedevilsadvocate. com specialist topic question or contact us page. They're open to all. Please make use of them and enjoy. So, to our correspondence brief, though it was, there was a resounding yes, 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 all the time from the camp of Biscuit. Let me read it to you. This person said, "Oh yes, Biscuit, it does happen that I get so lost in the moment by the thrill of the feel." When my horse and I manage to achieve lift-off, that concentration is out of the window, 
and with it the movement. Absolutely. And I'm sure a lot of you do know about that experience. And it is quite overwhelmingly exciting when something happens that's new or the culmination of sublime response and execution from one's horse, the horse that you are riding. And with that surprise, it can completely take over our focus. Then we had another one from someone that said, well, actually, none of the above apply to me. Let me read this one to you. This person said it didn't actually make me chuckle. I am neither hot stuff, biscuit or coya, as when I finish a lesson, I'm totally brain dead from trying to absorb all the information I have learnt. I can, however, get very excited about an hour after my lesson, once I have thought about what I have done. But information overload at the time stops me getting excited. So true, and clearly it is different for everyone. And that does sound like somebody who's trying very, very hard to learn. And I wonder, maybe I suggest a tad too hard? Hmm. Perhaps you would enlighten us if you feel the need. You're more than welcome. Now, as I said, I do think this is a topic worth expanding on and exploring somewhat as it's a very noteworthy aspect within the competition world of horses. There are a lot of people who do in fact incorporate all sorts of things like for instance mindset technique, relaxation techniques, neurolinguistic techniques, things that they can incorporate into their progressive riding program. And there are many, many such things available to us. And actually what's important is they do give very good results. Let's face it, people, if they didn't, people wouldn't actually do them. And I also do think it's a really good thing that top riders are often very open about this topic, this different side to riding. And the fact that they share their truth filters down through the levels. And it has definitely become more accepted. And actually more than just accepted, it's now become quite welcomed. And I think historically... There was, once upon a time, even if one was thinking that way, perhaps a little tad of stigmatization attached to it. Almost the attitude that, well, what's wrong with you that you have nerves, competition nerves, anxiety, self-perpetuated gremlins? Are you a flawed human being? Well, realistically, in some respects, aren't we all? And I do also wonder whether it sort of rolled over from other sports first, where it became accepted and then filtered into the equestrian world. And as professional riders began to hear about the benefits it could bring, they started to explore 
techniques and techniques that would work for them and enhance their results. But let's have a little closer delve into the variation. The variation of perhaps emotions versus nerves versus thoughts because they are all quite different. And should you by chance be looking for some help for yourself in that direction, it may be easier to choose and look at what type of help would be of the greatest benefit to you when you understand and identify with yourself as a person, as an individual, and your personal situation. So, emotions first. They, of course, can be good and then turn to bad. Now, good, for instance, would be that euphoric burst of energy that felt absolutely great at the time but swamped you took over, enveloped you, so that you'd completely lost concentration and focus. Oh, where next? Suddenly, one's mind is a blur. It could be that enormous drop fence on a cross-country course, that ultimate challenge fence for you. And then suddenly you've sailed over it. Oh, my God. But you've lost your line for the skinny directly afterwards. Another example the huge triple combination coming out over that massive oxa. Wow! So exhilarating, all-consuming, and then you cannot remember the line for the turn for the next upright. It can happen in all sorts of ways. The next dressage movement, the next movement in a test. That is how fabulously wonderful, great euphoric feeling and emotion becomes suddenly a soul-destroying one. Instantaneously, success is snatched out of underneath you. Now, we do know that emotions do come from the brain, but they come from a different part of the brain, from thought. Let's take a little look at thoughts. For some people, it's not emotions that get the better of them. It's actually thoughts. Thoughts can come first. Then they generate an appropriate matching emotion. It's a funny one, but think about it. The thought could be... I'm not sure about this. Oh, I've got a bit of a bad feeling. Actually, no. It's the words, the thoughts that come first. And then the feeling follows. The feeling that just perfectly fits that bill. It could be something like, mm, I'm not going to be able to do this. Oh, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not well positioned. My horse is not going well today. Whatever it may be, the bad feeling will come secondary to the thought. But it will support and complement those unhelpful thoughts. Goodness, what complicated beings we are as humans. So, 
as I said, working out first which way round you are is probably the best first step to the route for help. If you're all feelings first, then mindset coaching, NLP, may not perhaps be best suited to you. Maybe you are a high energy person and you throw your emotions and your energy before you, and that is what needs tempering. So then, possibly something more along the lines of relaxation techniques would suit you better. Breathing, meditation, something calming, something that induces some calm to your world. If it's thoughts that come first, self-perpetuating gremlins, then perhaps yes, more mindset, more visualization, still the mind, and allow focus to take control. If your mind perhaps becomes muddled and numb, and you feel brain dead, it may be that coming to something more physical, like a Pilates or a yoga-esque type exercise, or bringing your focus back into yourself by breathing, that might be a way forward for you. There are many choices and many good techniques, and I do also think it's important not to think that these things just happen. In competition, when the pressure is on to achieve, results matter, because they don't just happen in competition; they happen at every level, from the bottom all the way up, and to everyone to some degree. It's worth considering that the reason why it happens may well actually be because of the self-assigned pressure, or. The pressure of gaining results for competition, but it could be as simple as the pressure of your first trot experience, your first canter experience, the pressure of ah,、oh, I don't want to fall off, or the self-perpetuated pressure of wanting to do really well, ride really well for the approval of a show judge or your trainer or for the owner of a horse that perhaps you ride. These sneaky little pressures, oh, they creep in. I've seen them in action so many times, and yes, have experienced them and talked to you about them a few times. It does happen, even out hacking. Can I negotiate the scary corner of the village, the scary, daunting dog walkers that lurk in the trees, that narrow bridge? The new rain puddles, with dragons living in them, and the list goes on. It's a strange thing, and I think what's also interesting, in some respects, we learn to accept these things as being part of riding, and perhaps to some degree,、uh, normal. It sort of goes with the territory, as it were. Then, in this state of acceptance, do we actually make any changes, or seek advice, help, or even recognise that perhaps some help would be beneficial? No, people, I think not. 
certainly not before the issue becomes too big for us to handle. I think we don't. I think we just wait and accept it, live with it, embrace it, even as in, gosh, what an exhilarating ride! There was snorting and spooking and lurking things around every corner. And do you, in that situation, ask for help? No. Help? Why would I need help? That is riding. That's what happens. That's why I ride. I ride for that exhilaration, and the idea of needing help for it is, goodness, could it be embarrassing, demoralizing? But would it not be better, perhaps, to consider seeking some help that had a bit of an answer that gave us an additional tool, with? A sort of open-minded attitude, more along the lines of, God, you know, wouldn't it be great just to ride out without having to second-guess everything round every bend in every puddle, in every corner and every step that my horse is going to make? Would that not make my life so much easier, and actually allow us to achieve? And progress more. Perhaps that thought doesn't enter the head, as I say, until the issue becomes too big for us to handle. I say again, we are such complex creatures, and largely speaking, within reason, our horses are so accepting of us and our funny little foibles. Our stresses and anxieties and self-generated gremlins, our needs and wants and desires. Largely speaking, they just go along with us and accept us, foibles and all. Tis true. If you want a spooky ride, your horse will probably go okay then. If you want to imagine dragons in puddles, your horse will probably say, "Oh, okay." Let's look for them then, and so it goes on. Now, whether it be our competition nerves or our high-energy leaping emotion, whoa! We're going to go for a good old canter round the field, or the flip side, our self-deprecating mindset. I can't do it. It's going to go wrong. How often is it that the horse? Must change, or be changed, or learn, or retrained, or reschooled. The horse must adapt. The horse must cope better for us.、Hmm. Food for thought. And at what point? How far do things have to get down that line? How far must we go before? We actually accept a greater responsibility, and look at ourselves, where perhaps actually it is us that requires the help, the guidance, to learn a technique, take up a yoga class, Pilates, mindset coaching, linguistic programming, anything. At what point do we realise? 
that the problem may actually lie with us. I know more food for thought, but it is true. And if we need help, there is plenty available out there. If we recognise our failings and where to draw the line between what is us and what is our horse, indeed, where the issue actually originates, you see, could it be us? That says, "Oh my God, that oxa is just too big," and the horse goes, mm, "Well, I wasn't sure, but actually now you come to mention it. Oh, I'm inclined to agree with you. Let's not do it." Could it be us that looks at that huge, big drop fence and goes, "Oh, oh, that was designed by the devil and built in hell," and the horse goes, "Well, come to think of it, yeah, oh yeah, you're probably right." Is it us? That says, oh, "Be wary of the dog walker," and the horse goes, "Where, where? Oh, you mean that one, that one there? Where does it originate? Is the issue with us, or is it originating within the horse? When you know this, when you know it for certain, actually know that's not me. That is the horse." It is the horse that has decided the dog walker is scary. I was fine. It is the horse that is looking at the drop fence, going, "Oh, I don't know about that." When you know the difference between what is you and what is your horse, then you have a far greater chance of knowing the next step and what options are available to improve the issue. To make some changes that will improve our lives together. When we recognise the difference between what is our responsibility and our horse's responsibility, our horses will come forward with us and go better for us. They will try harder for us. They will listen better to us, and I do genuinely think they enjoy us all the more. For it, and when you take a look at riding, be it competition or recreational or otherwise, with that mental attitude, that approach of accepting responsibility, the fulfilment that we get for our achievements far outweighs any of the despondency of the down moments. Perhaps yes, it does require a little quiet time and a little soul searching to really work out: Was that me? Did I instigate that idea? Did my emotions create that scenario that we've built on and built on till we can't see from where it originated? Or, no, actually, that's where my horse needs some help. That's where. I need to find the key for my horse. When you work out that fine line, it is so well worth it, and I do think that it opens a whole new avenue of possibilities for your riding journey, your future, and your partnership. So, as I say, always more food for thought, 
But please, do, give it some thought. Now, until Monday, please do have a great weekend, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Of course, do take care, and we will speak very soon.